Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God which engages us today is the very last verse in our Old Testament lesson, Isaiah 40, verse 31, where we read, They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, we are a people who do not like to wait. And so, as a result, we have express checkout lanes at our grocery stores. We have call-ahead seating in our restaurants. And did you know that you can even hire people to stand in line in your place so you don't have to stand in line? We are a people who do not like to wait. Well, God's people were waiting for the Lord in Babylon in the 6th century B.C. You see, God had raised up the Babylonians to bring judgment down upon his people. And in 586 B.C., the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and the temple and carried many of God's people off into exile in Babylon. King Zedekiah, the last king of Judah, and his sons made a run for it, but they were eventually captured by the Babylonian soldiers. And the Babylonian soldiers blinded King Zedekiah and led him away in shame. In fact, the last thing that King Zedekiah saw before he was blinded were his two sons being murdered right in front of him. So there, in Babylon, God's people were waiting for the Lord. Well, sort of. They were waiting, but not in the way the prophet Isaiah uses that word wait in our text. Waiting for the Lord is not idle hopelessness. In fact, just the opposite. Waiting for the Lord is anticipation, an eager, faith-filled expectation that God is going to act for his people. He's going to come for the benefit and blessing of his people. But it seems as though God's people there in Babylon had more doubts and questions than faith-filled expectations. You could understand how they might be asking themselves, are we still God's people? Does he still love us? And is he even able to help us here in Babylon? From a human standpoint, you could certainly understand if God wanted to sever his relationship with his people right then and there. For their worship of all the false gods around them, for their dishonesty in dealing with one another, for their exploitation of those who were weak and vulnerable there in their midst, and for their just going through the motions when it came to worshiping him, something he had already addressed earlier on in the book of Isaiah, calling it an abomination. And could God really help them there in Babylon? 
You see, the understanding at that time was that when one nation conquered another nation, the conclusion was that the gods of that conquering nation must be stronger, more powerful, superior to the gods of the nation that was conquered. And so the Babylonians would conclude that their false gods were in fact more powerful than Yahweh. And no doubt they would taunt God's people with that understanding, leading them to wonder, can God really save us here in Babylon? Do you find yourself waiting for the Lord this morning? No, we are not captive in a foreign country, but I dare say that virtually all of us here this morning are waiting for the Lord for at least one area of our life. It might be employment and finances. It might be health. It might be a relationship. And it might not be directly for us, but maybe for someone else who is near and dear in our lives. It's that thing which has been occupying our prayer life quite a bit, and probably for quite some time. And when we are in difficult and challenging situations like this, it is the habit of Satan to try and plant questions of doubt, questions of unbelief, frankly, in our minds. Questions such as the same ones the Babylonians were at, the people in Babylon were asking, am I still one of God's people? If so, why is this happening in my life? Or why is this not happening in my life? Or can God really help me? It seems like the gods of this world are so very powerful, and I see people around me who are unbelievers, non-Christians, who seem to have not a care in the world, and yet I have this in my life. Questions such as that stem from doubt and unbelief, not from faith and trust. Questions like that are rooted in the wisdom of the world, not in the wisdom of God. And questions like that presuppose that we know the mind of God so fully and completely that we know how God should help us and we know exactly when God should help us. God doesn't leave his people with questions when it comes to his relationship with them. In Isaiah chapter 40, God gives answers to his people there in Babylon, answers that brought comfort and assurance to them, assuring them that they are still his people. Listen to the way Isaiah begins this chapter in which our text is found. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Did you catch that wording? Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, not harshly. 
that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity, all of those sins we referenced earlier, are pardoned. And she has received double from the Lord for her sins. That double does not mean double punishment, just the opposite. It means double blessings in comparison to their sins. So in other words, if their sins were a five on a scale, their blessings from God would be a 10 on that scale. So how about us this morning? First of all, let's answer those questions. Does God still want us as his people, as his children? Absolutely, positively. He has done everything possible to make that a reality, including the sending of his only begotten son to take our place, to suffer on the cross in our place, to die on the cross in our place, revealing to us that it is only through the blood of Christ shed on the cross for us and the life of Christ voluntarily and willingly offered on the cross for us that our iniquity is pardoned and that we have received double from the hand of the Lord for all our sins. And that second question, is God able to help us? Again, absolutely, positively. He already has in Christ, and he continues to do so day in and day out. As the psalmist put it in Psalm chapter 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Notice how the psalmist acknowledges we are going to have trouble in this world. But in the midst of that trouble, God is our place of refuge. He is our source of strength. Or as Jesus told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. And so what is left for us as God's people to do? To live our lives waiting for the Lord. And that waiting for the Lord has three rather connected, interconnected aspects to it. First of all, is the humble recognition that this, waiting for the Lord, is the only possible positive option that we have. Secondly, it's a complete rejection that we will live a life filled with worry and tension and anxiety and stress. And third, it's a recognition that we have full confidence, faith, and trust that God will come through with all of his promises. We live with that anticipation, with that faith-filled expectation that God will intervene in our lives, that he will bless us in the way that is best for us. It's the exact opposite of trying to rely on ourselves and on our own devices, and it is the exact opposite of living a life of idle hopelessness. Instead, it is living with that faith-filled expectation that God will intervene. 
and in our text, listen to what God promises for those who are waiting for the Lord. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In those words, can't you just see God's people in Babylon returning back to their home in Judah and Jerusalem, running and walking back exactly as God made possible for them in the year 538 B.C.? And in these words, can't we also see ourselves running and walking with our God to our heavenly home, which God made possible for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? And indeed, it is only in and through Christ and his sacrament that we can run and not be weary, that we can walk and not faint, on our way to our eternal home in heaven. And so, wait for the Lord. Live each day in that anticipation and in that eager, faith-filled expectation that God is going to intervene in our lives. As we live each day waiting for the Lord. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding God, our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.